Good evening, everybody. It's great to be able to be with you again and to continue our series on the book of Revelation. Tonight, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 6, where we see the opening of the seals. But before we get into tonight's study, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you again that we can come into your presence by means of what Jesus has done and accomplished for us on the cross. We just thank you for the opportunity again to study your word and again the blessing that we receive by studying the book of Revelation. We just thank you that your word is an encouragement to us uh, and that your prophetic word reveals exactly how things are going to pan out in the future. And we just thank you again for the time that we have just to be able to spend studying your word. We just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. From Revelation chapter 4 onwards, right up until Revelation 22, we don't find any mention at all of the church. And as I've indicated in previous studies, the church is not here because the church is actually taken out and caught up to meet the Lord in the air before the time of the tribulation occurs. And what we're going to be looking at uh, tonight is Revelation chapter uh, 6. And this deals with the judgments and events that are going to take place during the time of the tribulation. And beginning with the opening of the first seal, which we'll see now, uh, the seal judgments come first, and at the end of the seal judgments, they then lead into the seven trumpet judgments, and after that, we go into the seven bowl uh, judgments um, before Christ actually comes back to destroy the ungodly on the earth. Now, we saw that uh, in chapter 5 that the Lord, that Jesus was the only one who was found worthy to open the scroll. And what we saw there was that there was writing on the scroll both inside and out. We're not actually told what the scroll is, but it's very possible that the scroll could be the title deed to the universe. And Jesus was the only one that was found worthy to actually break the seals and open up the seals, as we saw in the previous chapter. And as he breaks the seven seals that secure the scroll, each seal unleashes a demonstration of God's judgment on the earth, which is going to happen in the tribulation period, which is still going to happen in the future. And these judgments will continue through what we said, through the uh, trumpet judgments and then finally the bowl judgments. And when the Lord opens up the first seal from the scroll, that is when the judgments begin in the tribulation period. And Daniel 9.27 describes the final seven-year period of history which will start when the prince that shall come, which is the Antichrist, comes and he makes a covenant, which is going to be some sort of peace treaty 
uh, with many, with Israel and with others, for one week, which is for seven years. And then we see that something startling happens in the middle of the seven-year period. Right in the middle of that period, the scripture tells us that he shall cause the sacrifice to cease. And this period is composed of two halves, three and a half years and three and a half years. And there is something that happens right in the middle of the seven-year period. And this event that takes place is when the Antichrist enters the rebuilt temple in Israel and satanically claims to be God. And this was what Jesus called the abomination of desolation, which we read about in Matthew 24, verse 15. And Paul describes it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. And this abomination of desolation where the Antichrist proclaims himself to be God is committed in the middle of the seven-year period. And then that then begins... Uh, the period that Jesus called the Great Tribulation. So let's start with Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. Now, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. The white horse here represents an unparalleled time of world peace, which is going to be a false peace that is going to be very short-lived. Uh, the peace is going to be ushered in uh, by the Antichrist. And um, we read about that as well, too, in uh, Thessalonians, where um, Paul writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where he says, uh, from 5 verse 1, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. And the Old Testament prophets referred to the day of the Lord. There are many references in uh, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Zephaniah, uh, referring to the day of the Lord. And here, Paul says that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, because when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction, destruction comes upon them. So, reading here in Revelation, we see that this rider goes out seated on a white horse, and the person that's sitting on this horse, uh, well, these riders actually do not represent specific individuals, but rather forces. 
And some people identify the rider on this horse as the Antichrist, although he's a, a leading figure at this point in time that the world is going to follow, and they're going to be totally obsessed with pursuing this uh, false peace that is going to come upon the earth at this time. And John says there, and I looked the white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow. The bow is a symbol of war, but it's interesting when we look at this bow, there isn't any arrows. There's just a bow, and it implies that the Antichrist's uh, victory is going to be a bloodless one, that this peace is actually going to be won by a covenant or an agreement, not by war. And as we see um, from uh, Daniel 9.27 that he is going to make a peace treaty with Israel and with, uh, with others as well too. We also see there that John describes that he who sat on it had a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. And crown again refers to, again, that uh, type of laurel wreath that was awarded to winning athletes. And the Antichrist actually becomes uh, the world leader, uh, elected by the world's uh, inhabitants, uh, regardless uh, of the cost. And uh, he will conquer the entire earth uh, in a bloodless coup. Because that's what it says, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So that's what happens when the first seal is opened. Revelation 6 verse 3, here we see the second seal being opened, and we see conflict on the earth. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see, another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another and there was given to him a great sword. So this horse is described as red in color and red in appearance speaks of the holocaust of war and God grants to this horse and its rider the power to create a worldwide war. And as horrible as this judgment is going to be, it's only going to be the start of the birth pangs, the beginning of God's wrath. And it says there that the rider on this horse was granted to take peace from the earth, that people should kill one another. So there's going to be uh, a massive slaughter on the earth. Uh, and the sword that's depicted there is not a long, broad sword that we would often picture uh, soldiers going into battle, but it's more that of a, um, a shortened sword that uh, assassins would actually use. And this actually depicts uh, assassination, revolt, massacre, and the wholesale slaughter that is going to take place during this time of war. And that is when the second seal uh, is, uh, is opened. Revelation 6 verse 5, we see the third seal uh, being opened. And when he opened the third seal, 
I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So the black horse here signifies famine. After this worldwide war that takes place, after peace is removed from the earth, um, a war is going to destroy the food supply, which is going to then result in uh, global hunger. And we see there that John describes, he says, I looked and behold, the black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. Scales is a common measuring device. Um, two small trays that hung uh, at the end of a balance beam. And this indicates that there is going to be a scarcity of food that's probably going to lead to uh, a rationing of food worldwide. And in 6 verse 6, a quart of wheat, a quart of wheat is the proximate amount that is really necessary to uh, feed or sustain one person for one day. And a denarius is normally a day's normal wage at that time. So one day's work will provide enough food for only one person. And where it refers there to three quarts of barley, barley was usually uh, during ancient times used to feed animals. And this grain has got very low uh, nutrients, but it's much cheaper than wheat. So a day's wage is just going to provide enough for a small family's daily supply. And then it says there, uh, do not harm the oil and the wine. Although the point could be here that these foods might not be affected by the famine, um, oil was also used in the preparation of bread. And wine at that time was considered necessary for cooking and purifying water. And suddenly, these items will become uh, luxuries that would probably have to be carefully protected. Now we go on to the fourth seal, where we see widespread death on the earth. So when the Lord opens the fourth seal... John says there, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed him and power was given over them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death and by the beasts of the earth. Pale a pale horse, um, pale is often um, kind of like an ashen green color or uh, it's often um, characteristic of a corpse that is uh, decomposing. It kind of like looks like that pale ashen color. And God grants to this horseman the authority to bring death to 25% of the earth's population. And if you think the Earth's population today is 8 billion people, that's 2 billion people that are going to perish at this particular time. And um, the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed him. 
And Hades is the place of the dead, um, uh, which is um, often uh, described in Scripture as a fitting partner for death. And power was given them, as we saw, to kill with the sword, with hunger, and with death, and also by the beasts of the field, 25% of the earth's population. In Revelation 6 verse 9, we now see the fifth seal being opened, and here we have the cry of the martyrs. So when Jesus opens the fifth seal, John says here, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So here the fifth seal describes the prayers of the saints for God's vengeance. Um, and uh, it's going to um, last for... Uh, this period uh, during which God is going to be pouring out his judgments on the earth. And it says there that God is going to answer their prayers, but he will only do that until both the number of their fellow servants and brethren who would be killed as they were, were completed. So God has predetermined the number of the righteous whose death he will allow before actually moving to destroy uh, rebels and and we see here um, where it refers to uh, John seeing and I saw under the altar the souls of those who'd been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held it's probably a reference here to the altar of incense which pictures the prayers of the saints uh, going up to the Lord and the souls who'd been slain were the Christians that were martyred for their faith during this period now we come to Revelation uh, 6 verse 12 where we see the sixth seal being opened. And John says there, I looked. When he opened the sixth seal, behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its laked figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Now, the sixth seal, when that is opened, we see the first five seals will result from human activity that God uses to accomplish his purposes. But at this point, God begins direct intervention and the previous five seals are just really precursors to the full fury of the day of the lord when the sixth seal opens and the events that are described here which then lead into the trumpet judgments and then finally the bold judgments uh, john describes here that uh, when the sixth seal was opened behold there was a great earthquake now we've experienced lots of earthquakes through history and even now 
in the generation that we are living, there seems to be an increase in earthquake activity worldwide. But this particular earthquake is going to be more than just an earthquake. Uh, John describes here that uh, there was a great earthquake, that the sun became black as sackcloth, the moon became like blood, the stars of heaven fell to the earth as fig tree drops its late figs, the sky receded as a scroll when it rolled up. Now listen to this. He describes here every mountain and island was moved out of its place. This is going to be a catastrophic, cataclysmic earthquake where the earth's faults will begin to fracture simultaneously, resulting in a global earthquake. And accompanying this earthquake is probably going to be a huge amount of volcanic eruptions worldwide, where large amounts of ash and debris are going to be blown into the uh, Earth's atmosphere, blackening the sun and giving the moon this blood-red color. And where it says the stars fell from heaven, uh, this can refer to uh, like an asteroid or meteor shower, um, and it looks like uh, a tree dropping its uh, figs when it's shaken like a mighty wind. That's what uh, John describes here, and where he says the sky receded as a scroll, the Earth's atmosphere is probably going to be dramatically affected uh, by the huge amount of uh, volcanic uh, debris that is going to be spewed into the air. And it says here, every mountain and island is moved. So under the huge stress created by this global earthquake, great segments of the Earth's plates are going to move. And from what we read here, it says every mountain and island was moved out of its place. What we see happening here is that there is probably going to be, as the uh, segments of these earth plates move and slip and shift, that there's going to be realigning of mountains, of continents, of islands. And verse 15 tells us, And the kings of the earth, great men, rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Here for the first time, the people on the earth and it describes here every single person, kings, commanders, mighty men, slave. They all went and hid themselves because here the earth's inhabitants, inhabitants will recognize for the first time the source of their trouble uh, and that it is God who is actually uh, bringing about these judgments. And prior to this, they would have just been living life as normal, but when the sixth seal judgment commences, this commences what the prophets called the day of the Lord. And that's what verse 17 says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who 
is able to stand. And Joel talks about it. The Old Testament prophets uh, talk about it as well too. Uh, it's mentioned in many of the uh, Old Testament books. And Joel 1.15 says, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. And it's referring here to that time period uh, where God is going to bring about his judgment on the earth. And Joel warns here, he's actually warning the people of Israel. And he says to them, Alas, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and it shall come as destruction from the Almighty. And destruction forms a, a, a really powerful play on words here uh, with the Almighty that God is the one who is omnipotent and he is the one who is going to bring about these judgments that we're reading about here on a sinful earth during the time of the tribulation. And as I have continually highlighted, and that's why we looked at um, Daniel's uh, 70 weeks, we looked at the doctrine of the rapture, that the church is not here during this period uh, that we are spared the time of God's wrath where he pours out his judgments uh, on a sinful earth. And that's where we're going to conclude tonight. Next week we will go into Revelation chapter uh, 7. And I just want to say, if you've been listening to the series on Revelation, and you might be uh, someone who has never asked God to forgive you, that you have never given your life uh, to Jesus. The scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And God's standard is his law. And all of us have broken God's law. And Jesus came and died on the cross and took our punishment for our sins that if we put our faith and our trust in him, we can have eternal life. And all we have to do is to repent and call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to, to save us and then to serve him wholeheartedly. Because we have to come to the Lord in repentance and acknowledge that we are sinners and realize that the only way that we can experience salvation and be reconciled to God is through what Jesus did on the cross for us by shedding his blood for us because the scripture teaches there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And it's not by works that we are saved, it's by putting our faith totally and completely in the finished work of the cross and what Jesus did for us. And if you've never done that, I would just encourage you just to call upon the name of the Lord tonight and ask him to forgive you of your sin and experience the new birth and realize that when you do that and you decide to live wholeheartedly for Jesus, that your name is then written in the Lamb's book of life. And we will read about that also further on in the book of Revelation. So, Lord, we just thank you again for this opportunity that we've had to study your word. And I just pray your blessing on each and every single person that has been listening to this message. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.